The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. I've often wondered if people in the obstacle course racing world and people in the ultra marathon world, if large packs of both of them were to encounter each other on a in a dark alley, would a West Side Story style fight break out between the two groups? There's some folks that have crossed over into both worlds. Uh, Amelia Boone yeah. is one of them. Um, also, Max. Yeah, I, I think they would all like crack open a beer and just like talk shop. Really? Well, well we're gonna find out because you know Amelia Boone's one of them. Uh, 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 Max King is another. My guest on this episode of the Adventure Jogger is one of those people that straddles the line between obstacle course racing. Uh, an ultra running. How do you know, by the way, someone is an obstacle course racer or an ultra runner? Don't worry. Just like a vegan, they will tell you. Uh, Nicole Fleming is my guest on the Adventure Jogger. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks, Ryan. Good to be here. All right. So, Nicole, you are from Springfield, Missouri. Yes. It is not the the trail running slash obstacle course racing haven that some areas of the country are um i always like to start by giving people a chance to kind of share their their athletic journey um and people always say well i'll give you the short the short version no no no. i gotta fill an hour so you can go ahead and give me the long version nicole how did you how did you get into the world of both obstacle course racing which by the way this is not like you just did like one tough mutter once or one uh, savage race you've actually done uh the the world obstacle course racing championships in Australia, but how did you give us the story of Nicole Fleming's fitness journey? Uh, it's kind of funny. Like I just, I kind of fell into it. I've always been a really outdoorsy person and people think Springfield, Missouri, like Flatlander. I mean, it's actually pretty hilly and mountainous around here. I'm not at altitude, obviously, but Southwest Missouri, you're in the Ozark plateaus. So Growing up around here, I always played in the woods and climbed trees and played in the water and floated in the river and just, you know, mud and bugs and dirt and snakes don't freak me out. And so I've always played outside. Um, I lived in Vermont for 15 years as well. And that is a big outdoor community mm-hmm. as well. Um, I've always been active my whole life. Um kind of above average in sports, nothing stand out. I mean, I got like kind of some small scholarships to college to run cross country and play volleyball, but I was never, you know, just super remarkable, but just kind of above average and um, didn't really do anything for quite a while. Um, early thirties. Um, I just got into some running groups mm-hmm. in Vermont where I lived Um did it like half marathon in the trail, finished it, swore. I just like any thoughts I ever had of doing a marathon were just, pfft, no, half marathon was so hard. I was like, I am not doing a marathon. Whose stupid idea was that? Right. And so I just always love sharing that story with people who start out because it's 
I mean, of course I went out way too fast and, you know, just the plan fell apart and everything. Um, early thirties. Um, I did eventually do a marathon. Absolutely loved it. Um, got into the fleet feet running community in that area and started doing, I mean, I've always been hiking and snowboarding and things like that, but never really did competitive long distance running until I kind of got into that group and did marathon. Hadn't even done like a 50 K or anything until I moved back to Missouri. Um, where I grew up um, in mid late thirties mm-hmm. again, uh, kind of, I, I trained for a 50 K on my own, just out like on all the back roads and there's no shortage of those around here Yeah, and really didn't have anything to compare myself to people wise. Cause I did so much training on my own and went out and did my first 50 K um, Gosh, I can't remember if I was like 36 or 37. Um, the 30s are a like, blur. Let's be honest, first, Nicole. First in my age group and third overall. And I remember like telling my mom and like my daughter, like, oh, just come get me at this time. And like, they didn't even see me at the finish line because I finished like way earlier than I thought I would. And so I just ended up being better at it than I, I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And, and then just just the people I met in the running community around here, total enablers, you know, how like runners are trail runners and, yeah. and things like that. And so, Oh, uh, I mean, just before I ran my first hundred and I won my first hundred, I'm like, we're all the fast people. Like, how did I win this? <laughs> um, I had only run 40 miles, like a race 40 miles. And it kind of, it goes the same for obstacle course racing. Gary, my partner in crime and adventure and everything, like he is the one that kind of got me into obstacle course racing. And like, turns out, I guess I was kind of okay at it. And um, I think it helped that I had the trail running background. So, you know, world's toughest mutter, my first 24 hour obstacle course race in uh, Athens, Georgia, mm-hmm. like my, um, gosh, that was four years ago now, like yeah. people coming internationally all over the world. And I like, I got seventh overall, like including the pros. I'm like, how did this just happen? <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just a stubborn cuss. You know, I don't, I don't think that I'm like necessarily super fast. I can just, I just enjoy being outside and I can stay out there for a while. <laughs> okay. So Nicole, one thing that I've noticed is you've got that Midwest modestness about you if you ever want to meet a modest person go talk to a random person from the midwest because we are taught at a very early age you never brag about yourself you never say good things about yourself i love how you quickly glance over you're like not that i was a good athlete or anything i mean i did get a a college scholarship for cross country and volleyball but i was nothing special but was is that true that you were nothing special or you being midwest modest you know what? Like I would place in track and, and and in high school and stuff like that. But in college, like, no, I, I mean, like if you put me in Western States, there was absolutely no way I would place, but you know, like I've won a hundred miler around here. I've mm-hmm. won 135 miler. I got second female in a 125. And so I'm like, to me, like, 
I still honestly believe like did the fast people not show up? How, how is this possible? Like it wasn't a good day for me because I've had plenty of DNFs and, and things like that. I've learned like what my races are, where I excel. Like if something is gnarly and technical and long, like I, I usually will do pretty well, not all the time, but it's, it still surprises me. Like the fact that I just won 250 at Infinitus, I'm like, um, how did that happen? Because <laughs> I wasn't going that fast. <laughs> I love, but I just, I just can hang in for the long haul. I love that, Nicole, because if you ever see Nicole Fleming at a race and you see her win and she's like, what? R- really? Like, did no one else show up? That's genuine. That's genuine. That's not an act she's putting on. That is genuine. She is shocked that, 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 that she, that she won. That's awesome. And I got to say, it's cool. I'm glad that you kind of, you kind of started as an ultra runner and then found obstacle course racing later. Cause, cause in my head, yeah, and this yeah. just may, I may, I may just be prejudiced, but I, I and this may be a, a sign of my not being the most woke person in the world, but in my head, I, I, I sense that obstacle, that primarily obstacle course racing people are more annoying than ultra runners. Just in their like, I'm so awesome. I did this thing the other weekend. Well, you know? I mean, there's a lot more flexing and, mm-hmm. you know, just, hey, there are not as many long distance endurance OCR stuff. And I don't tend to do a lot of the shorter ones, yeah. but it definitely, um, way more energized you know just with the shorter mm-hmm. get pumped up kind of things at the shorter ones but long the longer ones i don't know it reminds me a lot of trail running and i tend to be stronger than most women just again growing up climbing trees and you know manual labor mowing on chopping wood and stuff like that like i think that's also why i've done well at obstacle course racing it's not like oh i'm gonna suddenly train hard for this and, and do this. And so I kind of tend to do more longer obstacle course racing. And I find most people are pretty chill, but almost tend to go out too fast. Cause they're like so pumped up right? and, and, and we'll blow up early or, or something. And so you, if you just hang in, then, uh, Surprise! You win. Well, come on, Nicole. Let's let's break this down here. Let's break this down. The difference being, so those, especially the shorter distance obstacle course races, they have like a DJ playing music loudly, and then they have like an MC who's there, like, "Who's gonna crush this thing? You are!" I know. know. Like that's what. And all the women with like zero percent body fat mm -hmm. and no boobs, and I'm like, I don't put it in here. But but no, so so at that start line, there are two very different start lines because you have Mr. Yes, Mr. Pump absolutely. Up Man. And then here's like, like now Western States, it's a big deal. And you get to these big races and it's a big starting line event. But you go to some races like the Ozark Trail 100 in your neck of the woods, yes. which is yeah. criminally underrated. I, I, am, yes. Sho- yes. I am shocked, Nicole. Yes. I am shocked yes. Yes. and floored. Yes. That that race does not sell That's out. That's what I'm talking about. This, this area is not flat. I mean, it's not. I mean, I just went on trail run out in Chadwick, and you know, it's it's a uh, ankle twisting, just elevation gain up and down. So you oh, know, I, I usually do pretty well where there's a lot of climbing, but 
Um, I guess I am a flatlander because you put me in altitude and I kind of fall apart. Well, yeah, we, we all do. But no, but I always thought like that race, it's I, I don't get it. Ultra running community. I do not get why that race does not sell out. It's a point to point. It's 99% single track. Um, yeah. It's got wonderful aid stations and they're plentiful. It's in a beautiful Agreed. time of the year. I mean, it's the, the finish line. There's like cabins you can rent. You can literally walk from the finish line to your cabin. It is a phenomenal race, but it is one of those Agreed. things that Agreed. every year I'm like, how, how do they still have openings the day before the race? I just, I just don't get it. Um, you know what? And another like ones in this area, the Outlaw series that Jeremy Harrison puts on, like mm-hmm. it's just west in Oklahoma. And same thing because it's still kind of the same terrain. And mm-hmm. I mean, both races, I remember people come from out of state and they're like tripping over the rocks and stuff buried under the leaves. And they're like, is the whole course like this? Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, my, my Ozarks buckle is probably one of my my prized possessions. Honestly, I love it. Oh, love. isn't blingy? Oh, oh, it's so shiny. It like is. gold and silver. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. It's, it's one of my one of my proudest ultra running moments. But but so so you 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 take that. So let, let's go back to a minute where we're talking about the start line of an obstacle course race with the DJ and the techno music and all that stuff. And then you uh-huh. have the, the 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 start line for the Ozarks where they have like a little three by two banner that says Ozarks Trail One Hundred that they threw into a tree. And then the start, then the, the, the race director's like, all right, guys, um, guys and gals, thanks for coming out. Um, you're going to start and head this direction, and then you're good. Okay. Do uh, you have any questions? No one? Okay. Ready? On your marks. Get set. Go. And then that's it, right? So this is not- Yeah, no. I mean, it's too, I mean, you won't find beer or liquor at the aid stations of the short obstacle course race, but you will at the Ozark Trail and Outlaw and, <laughs> right. you know, all the other ones here so that's just telling right off the bat we went to a short obstacle course a couple weekends ago and one of the girls there was just giving me crap she's like i haven't ever seen like an ocr athlete just like eat wings and drink beer she's like this is why i love you so much and i'm just like looking around me kind of like well obviously some of us take it super seriously and some of us don't so you were by the way you may have taken seventh place at that world's toughest mutter event but you were the first uh-huh. place person okay. that actually drinks wing or drinks beer and eats wings <laughs> you got that probably first right I mean, absolutely seriously. absolutely it, if they would have said okay okay well, who's top like, 10 in, in australia like i mean i definitely um you know just like it can sometimes make me sleepy so i have to be careful into the overnights and stuff yeah. like that but talk about something that settles your stomach down gets the bitter you know and mm-hmm. so taking first overall in the female not the pro division i think like uh maybe i was fourth i think overall like if you counted the pros but uh just in the regular division i i think i did i mean this speaks to my trail running background but i think i did like 30 or 40 more miles than like the the person that placed second place behind me just because like i'm just so used to going 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 and going far yeah but um yeah i'm just if i'm not having fun out there like i need to take a time out from from running and just ocr trail stuff because it's i don't know that that's what a lot of it is about for me is just 
trying to enjoy myself out there, turning the negatives and the positives. And sometimes it's tricky and, but that's what keeps me going. Nicole, it, it sounds like you're trying to bring a little piece of the ultra world to the obstacle course racing world. I, I didn't think of it that way, but it's, I don't know. It's, yeah, you're like beer chugging beers and eating wings. Like, chill out, everybody. <laughs> this is supposed to be fun. You paid money like, for this. Well, like, why does everyone doesn't do this? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't help that gels make me gag. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, you're not. You're not alone. My wife uh, got into running during the pandemic last year. And, uh, you know, she just started, she wanted to do like a couch to 10 couch to 5k turned into couch to 10k uh-huh. turned into couch to half awesome. marathon. And at some point she's like, I'm like, you're gonna have to start eating things when you run. And so we got gels and she, she still has not found a gel that doesn't make her gag. No. So I'm the exact same way and spring energy. Like they have, there's this kind of like kind of almost baby food consistency. And mm-hmm. I'm, I get nauseous during ultras super easily and it's, it's really annoying. Um, but spring energy like that, I've had so much of those, like I almost can't eat those now cause I've had just so many times, but I would have her try those. And then like when I first started doing ultras, it took me probably a year to train my stomach mm-hmm. to eat solid foods while I was running. So just kind of keep that in mind. If she just hangs in and tries a little bit here and there and kind of slow down a little bit and eat and then get going again you just you just got to train the belly okay now if my wife does get into spring energy i'd like to take this moment to remind everyone to go to the patreon page because those things aren't cheap no (laughs) (laughs) hey everybody i even bought the little baby baby food containers that like oh i can make my own and you know they're still sitting in the drawer so (laughs) sometimes you're just like oh crap i don't have the time to do that you just I buy them in bulk. Right. That's why that's <laughs> you got to do it. You, you got to buy it in bulk. Well, let's talk about real quick. You did this. You just recently set the course record at this race called the Infinitus 250 oh, yeah. miler. Tell me, I've never heard of that race. It tell sounds. Me. Oh, I, my God. I, I know. Tell right. Me. So you, you got to tell me all about it, Nicole. So it, apparently it's been going on since 2015. Mm-hmm. And I. Um, I DNF'd Potawatomi 200 miler in April and I was super bummed about it. Um, We had signed up to do it last year and it got canceled three weeks beforehand because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I was so ready to go out and do it this year. And, uh, and just, it was super muddy. Potawatomi was and uh, mile one, 50 my knee locked up and i just was limping so bad i had to call it and i just was distraught and uh i mean because it was a gnarly hilly race i'm like this is my jam i got this and dnf so i couldn't wait a whole nother year to try and attempt potawatomi so gary was helping me look for other 200 milers Mm -hmm. the end of this year and Infinitus was one that popped up and we'd heard about it because they have a longer race than 250 miler. Um, and then there was another one in Colorado and it was just kind of dirt roads and those kind of beat me up. Um, and Infinitus it's best known for its 888 K it's a 10 day 
540 mile race. Um, there's a little documentary on it that Helene does. Um, the only female to ever finish the 888K. There's only been two females to ever finish the 250 miler. They don't have a 200 miler, but I'm like, well, crap, let's, let's give this a shot. Like I haven't been back to Vermont for 10 years and I lived there for 15 years. So it called to me in that respect. Um, cause I, I just spent so much time hiking and running and trail running and exploring in Vermont and I've missed it. And so, um, even though it speaks after Potawatomi, I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to try this. And, you know, one of my good friends, Barb Wallace mentioned, she's like, you can't, oh, what did she say? You can't do Epic if you don't start or something like that, right. you know? And I'm like, you know, I was so afraid that this could be another DNF, especially after just my knee locking up at Potawatomi, mm-hmm. but it just, Infinitus was calling to me and it's a figure eight course. And, uh, the top loop is seven and a half miles and the bottom loop is 20 and the start finish is just right there in the center. And you just do that as many, you know, you, uh, you have five days to do it. Yeah. So the 250 miler, um, Potawatomi, you have three days to do 200. Mm-hmm. So I know at Infinitus, I would have a little bit more leeway, but I mean, 50 miles doesn't sound like that much more, but at the end of 200, um, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> it is a lot more. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> now, looking at the results from this past year, Nicole, there were three people who started the 250 miler. Two people oh, finished. No, no, there were uh, there were eleven that okay. were slated to start. I don't I don't know why it, it showed it like that. There were actually eleven slated to start. Like two of them were coming from Canada, couldn't do it. Another guy's wife wouldn't let him start. <laughs> and there were a couple a couple people that didn't show up because it was over Memorial Day. Um, um, I want to say there were six or seven that actually started. Ultra sign up does not have Kevin and I were the only ones that finished. I was just, I was just looking, Nicole, uh, ultra sign up does not denote when your wife does not let you start. Oh my gosh. There's no, believe me, Andy, like the, the race director, let everyone know. He put the quote right across the guy's name where it's like DFS. He's like, my wife wouldn't let me do this. You know, it's absolutely hilarious. One of the people from Canada was like the prime minister won't let me run this race. And so he's Andy Weinberg, the race director is quite the character. And so, uh, he, he made sure everyone knew that the reason that why that guy didn't show up, but. Well, I'll, I'll tell were, you what. Uh, like, uh, gosh, there were even more people that started the 888K. Yeah. And then there's a 10-day race out there where it's a marathon a day. And then the same time that I started the 250-miler, there's a five-day race where you can run a marathon a day. So I want to say when I started on Tuesday um, at 8.08 a.m., <laughs> uh, there were probably 12 to 15 people that were out there. So it wasn't like mass start, but there were right. more and more people. The first three days I ran it, I was like echo cricket. Like there's hardly anyone out there. Yeah. But when the 88 K started and the hundred miles started, you would see more and more people out there, but like 4,200 feet of elevation gain just in that 27 and a half mile loop. So there's a ton of climbing and um, it was 35 degrees to 85 degrees just in the five the five days i was out there so it's uh 
you had not only the challenge of the course, but mother nature. So I loved it. That's incredible. Now you said this figure eight course, how many aid stations are out there on the course? In the first three days, none. So you're there at the start finish. Um, There were some coolers um, on the 20 mile loop. And I actually didn't realize um, there was crew access points so easy to get to on the 20 mile loop. So Gary did end up seeing me um, seven and a half miles into the loop and then five and a half miles later. So not until day four did you actually have an aid station? Let's see, seven and a half, 13 miles into that loop, even though there was a cooler beforehand. So yeah. Uh, Potawatomi is like a freaking banquet, um, but Infinitus, like awesome, awesome food at the start finish, but not until the hundred milers head out there on like day four, did they have an aid station on that 20 mile loop? I, I had the best grilled cheese of my life in the middle of the night there actually, <laughs> but aid station's pretty low key at that one. You know, some, some trail races is just like smorgasbord and other ones are pretty low key, but um, at the start finish, they had all the good food, but when you're out in the course for people that didn't have crew, it was, it was a long time to, you have to carry a pretty good pack. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, to think about those first, uh, how many days of, of, of your race, it's just you and Gary, that's it. Yeah. And then there's food yeah. at the start finish yeah. line, but it's, it's you and Gary. And then to actually see aid stations pop up that had to just be a mental thing like oh okay this is good just get to when their aid stations appear all right aid stations appear i I can enjoy this for a couple of days you know what like i'm surprised out there like how much i enjoyed the alone time because it was a lot of alone time um but i i mean i i listen to audiobooks music podcasts like you the adventure jogger and run the riot podcast my two favorite i have a lot of those downloaded and um, for me, you know, usually go aid station to aid station to mm-hmm. kind of like give you the little breakdowns. But I just picked off mile markers like every mile, like if there was a bridge or a certain rock or something, um, it kind of helped me divide up the trail. So when you're out there and there's not like, you know, you're in the woods. I'm not saying you should expect a fancy aid station, but we get kind of spoiled as trail runners. I'm not going to lie. We do. We do. I've, I've done races where you roll into an aid station and it's a tub of Gatorade and a plate of Costco cookies. And you're like, this is, this sucks. That sounds like a real race. Right, right, exactly. And then, and then there's other aid stations where you go, my God, there's a chef. He's got a hat on. There's a hibachi chef. How did they get a hibachi chef back here? He's flinging shrimp into my mouth as I'm sitting here. There's smoked meatloaf. Like, wow. <laughs> right. Or people, I did I did a race, um, the, the Shawnee Hills um, races. I did the, uh, the night fun run. Um, there was only three of us that did the night fun run. They don't do it anymore. They did it the first year that Shawnee did it. They did the night well, fun that's run. Not very fun. I know it was a lot of fun. I wanted to go run at night. And so three people did it. I knew it was Jeff Stafford, Patrick Green, and myself. We were the only ones to do it. So we have the course record. Um, and since they've never done it again, we still have the course record. But but somebody nice. made brisket out there. They were actually uh, I, smoking like a Boston butt. I, hey, you know, like I never thought like grilled potatoes and hot dogs would taste so good in my life. But when they're done over a campfire <laughs> and fed to you like at mile 100, you're just like, 
nothing's better ever. <laughs> <laughs> what I've always been fascinated with, Nicole, with with the, the, the needle now moving past 100 miles and more and more 200, 200 plus mile races are starting to pop up is like, you know, when you're running 100, you're like, okay, I can do this for a day and change, right? This is my life for a day and change. Yeah. yeah. You're talking suck it up. Yeah, you're you're talking though 250 miles. You're talking 5 days. Yeah. When I know it sounds ridiculous to even talk about and, you know. Yeah. Um I I definitely uh you know, just even hearing people out there at Infinitus um talking about people not going out like you can't do the hundred mile pace, you know, like that's fast, right. you know, but I actually heard someone say like, Hey, that guy went out too fast. He went out like he's doing a 200 miler, you know, <laughs> instead of like 540 miles. And I'm not, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. Like, <laughs> you know, just because they're getting more popular, um, to hear someone say like, he went out too fast. Like he was trying to race a 200 miler. I'm like, you, you race those? Like, is that possible? Right. I thought you but, survive. Yeah. yeah like I, I definitely, definitely had to dial back pace and expectations compared to what I would do during a hundred and break it down into pieces because like every two loops, 55 miles, I would take a nap just knowing like I'm in this for five days. And so I have to keep eating. Yeah. Whereas at a hundred, like if you get nauseous at 70, 80 miles, like you can suck it up for another 20, 30, you know, but right. going for that kind of distance, if you're not eating and you get too dehydrated, I mean, you're SOL. So breaking it up into pieces like that seemed to work pretty well. Um, but the best made plans are meant to be broken. So on the second day when it was pretty hot, I only made it 35 miles and ended up taking a nap um, just because I wasn't doing well eating anymore. Yeah. But it was actually perfect timing because it just started raining super hard. I'm like, well, thanks, Mother Nature, for the confirmation. <laughs> you know, like I went in and ran out of the rain and just like... Uh, took a quick nap and headed out three hours later. And I was an absolutely new person and did another 20 mile loop before calling it a day. And then the last three days was able to get like my regular mileage in and stuff like that. But you just, I mean, maybe the first two days I was still running consistently. And the last three, it was almost entirely just hiking, but, but trying to, hike quickly i say yeah. power hiking but it probably wasn't all so powerful right <laughs> so <it's getting> <laughs> but 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 i never like dropped below the pace that i had planned for so i didn't i purposely didn't want to like do 100 mile pace on the first day or two um knowing like it was going to be difficult towards that. I didn't want to burn myself out. And I felt like I did that, you know, even though the last three days I felt like I was going slow and just, just hiking. I was still able, especially with all that climbing and stuff like that to keep my strength in me and keep food and drink in me. Oh, it was so hard. I was yeah. so done eating by the time that race was over. I was like, ah, oh, food, yucky. And, uh, but just was able to 
maintain what I had planned. And I guess like if I hadn't even plan for certain paces, I would have thought like, I'm not going to finish this. I'm going so slowly, but I knew like, according to like my chart and stuff like that, that I was still hanging in and was still ahead of pace. So I was, it, it, you definitely have to dial it back for that longer distance for sure. Oh, for sure. But one thing that I've, I've wondered too, with these longer distances, Nicole, you know, there's a lot of, we always have a lot of mental chatter in our minds and especially the start of a race, right? <laughs> and then oh, yes. as the you, despair, Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, but at some point, during a race and and it, it maybe happens at the end of a 50k you know it happens towards the end of a 50 miler uh in, in a hundred miler that second half your brain is just done and it, you're just you're just existing right you're just getting to an aid station you're following your pacer you're eating it's almost oh, yeah. like you're in this very primal in the moment state and talking to people who have done longer races like vol state i mean it really is your it's a moment to moment survival the brain does shut off absolutely Did absolutely you, so you experience well, you that? wish it would shut off sometimes but <laughs> 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 because i mean i can't imagine too nicole you're looking at 250 miles you're going to be out there for you know five days like do you still play the game aid station to aid station or I'm sorry, or, or during the early days, Gary to Gary. Um, yeah. You know what? Like, that's a super good question. One of my clients asked me that she's like, you know, do you feel like it was more mental or physical? Yeah. And you know, usually during a hundred miler, I'm like, Oh, mental for sure. You yeah. know, I, I feel like anybody could do a hundred pick one, you know, with a longer cutoff. And I feel like anybody could do it. Um, longer distances, like you you can fake it for a while, but you know, physically you've got to be able to go the distance. Um, mentally, like I, I kind of struggled at pot during the first hundred miles. Um, and then after that, like, I'm like, got it over with and can flip the switch a little bit better, but going into infinitus, like, especially new, since I knew I was going to be out there by myself a lot, I had to catch myself very early. Um, whenever I felt my brain starting to go negative, mm -hmm. I would, I would try and flip it. I mean, even if you're just making stupid caustic jokes about like how steep it is or the size of the mosquitoes, or, um, I started my period the first night that was super fun, oh. you know? So just like, I, I don't, <laughs> just like, I just, practice as much as I could switch in a negative to a positive. And, um, and it, it, it worked. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I know what helps me with that is like listening to audiobooks or music or podcasts where I can kind of, it almost keeps my brain from just stop chattering and going down the black hole. It kind of lets me space out and focus, but I'm still uh, soaking up everything around me. You know, like I wore a bracelet mm -hmm. for this race that says uh, never stop exploring. And I just wanted to like, I wore that. So I remind myself that I was just so lucky to be out there and to be able to be moving and, I was back in Vermont mm -hmm. and just, I just could not, even on my last loops in the daylight out there, I just 
it was still stunning. It was still beautiful. The scenery, everything. Um, it, it just, it clicked in my brain for this race, but it, it, it took some doing, you know, because at night, usually the last nine, 10 miles were a hardcore sleepy struggle and food and just even drinking water got difficult, but, um, just made it to the nap time every night and get up and go again. And like I said, like, you know, Gary to Gary or mile marker to mile marker, like for me to just find those landmarks, um, and just make it to mile one, mile two, mile three, and there's that stop. And then mile one, mile two, mile three, um, talking to some other long distance runners out there, they liked to, uh, like, a culvert or a tree, they would give them names or whatever. Yeah. And they would just make it just, just talk to the different landmarks and, and bridges and things like that and give them goofy names and just make it to the next one. And gosh, being out there five days, I can't even imagine there are two guys that finished the 88 K all 10 days. And whew, just after doing five days, I, I talked to one of the guys that finished it and I, I'm just mind blowing. That's incredible. Uh, it does, does sound like you were able to listen to the entire adventure jogger library during your, <laughs> your five days. <laughs> hey, uh, yes. So you're all, you're all caught up. You're like, I'm all caught up, Ryan, waiting for that, for that new episode. Um, but, I, but it does sound like it was a lot of, it was at night I'm singing your little, uh, <laughs> music tune there in my head. Yeah. But, but it sounds like I was mainly like mainly in the background and you weren't paying attention much like my home life, Nicole, where I'm mainly in the background and no one pays attention. Hey, you know, I was pretty happy the days I wasn't stumbling off the side of the cliff on the trail. So, you know, just those fine motor movements and, and putting one foot in front of the other and not dying, you know, so don't be offended if uh, I can't recall. That's okay. Every uh, conversation on the episode. That's okay. I wonder if you hallucinated like an adventure jogger run the riot podcast team up. Yeah. Oh, you know what? So I think because I was napping out there, like I didn't quite have the hallucinations that I did, like mm-hmm. at Outlaw 135. Of course, I was seeing things and little things here and there, but uh, no, no, no crazy hallucinations okay. that you know are noteworthy. But I will say, once we got home, like the next few nights, like I was dreaming and I'm like, Nicole, you're allowed this little nap, but you got to get back up and get back out there and, you know, finish this race, you know, here we're home, we're done, you know, but I'm still programmed in my head. Like even when I'm sleeping, like get back out there. And and I woke up and I'm like, damn it. Like I'm finally getting some rest here. And, and my brain's telling me I got to get back out there. And so I think the next night I was good. And then the other, like, the last time I dreamt about it, I was done, but like, I still had to go out there and crew or pace for someone or still going. So it's just funny how, like, even in dream mode, my brain was still out there. Like, go get it. You got to finish this. Just that was hard to shut off after we got home. Oh, I, I can imagine. Um, but let me know next time you've got a really big thing coming up and I'll contact the guys over at run the riot and we'll do a mega, a mega super podcast just to oh give you something God. to listen to overnight. 
<laughs> yes, it's got to be five days long. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. This is the personal attention we give on the Adventure Jogger. You know, if you need a five day long podcast, I'll just keep the mic rolling for five straight days. You know, you hear some snoring in the background. Jeff can pick up at times. Know. You know, it'll be it'll be a, a marathon a podcast delivery just for you, Nicole. Like, this one's just for Nicole. It would be much appreciated because <laughs> not only this race, but when Gary and I did our running challenge back in April, like during COVID, mm-hmm. it just the podcast kept me going. They did. There was, there was a lot of lot of miles out in the trails (laughs) well let's talk about something else that you do which i think can you can actually give some insight and there may actually be some value to an adventure jogger podcast where people can grab something from it other than my awkward laugh you are also a personal (laughs) trainer correct Uh so yes there's i i know i fall in this category and i'm trying to break out of it nicole where i'm like i'm a runner and i run i gotta do anything else i just run but it seems like that, uh-huh. it seems like from what I've seen other people do, there is a definite advantage to people who put weightlifting and other types of training into their running regiment. Is that, would you, do you find that to be correct, Nicole? Absolutely for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's just injury prevention, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to me, it also helps with like, burnout on running because there are times where I'll have a lot of long races or a lot of running and I won't, I'll stop liking running and I don't like that feeling, you know? So be able to like do other things like yoga or strength training or, you know, do some Oswald course racing, um, get on our gravel bikes and and things like that. Like, uh, I have friends and clients who swim as well. Like we have Gary and I, uh, have a 24 hour survival run in March in uh, Nicaragua now. And apparently it's uh, an Island surrounded by water and neither of us are strong swimmers. So we're going to add that in there. But like, I, I think it just, it keeps you stronger, but it just keeps you from burnout too. Um, But I mean, I don't know. I know people that just run and run and run and run and like that and do okay with that. But um I know they tend to get hurt too. So, all right. So, <laughs> that's, that's, as a personal trainer, I just, I, I think the cross training is just integral to staying injury free. If you could pick Mostly. three things, <laughs> Nicole, three things, exercises or whatever, I'm going to leave it wide open for you. Three things that every runner should work into their routine, their training that's not running. What would those three things be? Yoga. Number one. Is yoga number two and younger th- number three? Yeah. I, I I would honestly say just because it's strength training, like functional. And I mean, it doesn't have to be like, um, you know, <laughs> just like it, it, it just, just the moves. Like it's so full body, um, functional training, you know, you're using your body weight. You don't have to have weights. Um, you know, yoga and then getting some body work, you know, I don't, I don't know that you necessarily consider that an exercise, but I mean, I'm a massage therapist predominantly. Um, and I get body work weekly, you know, between chiropractic acupuncture and massage, like when you just beat up your body, getting body work's not a luxury to me, you know, like it's a necessity. So just 
yoga and getting regular body work, you know, if you're not going to do a ton of cross training, just adding those into the routine, I don't think is would be too stressful. Okay. Yeah. I think you like yeah. altering, you know, even if you do yoga like once a week, I'm not saying, you know, do it every day or whatever and get a massage or body work every two, three weeks or something like that. You know, it's, I think it yeah. would surprise a lot of people, the difference it would make in preventing injury, but just how they feel overall energy wise as well and just body mm -hmm. awareness you know i sometimes don't realize holy crap my right hip's so much tighter than my left or i didn't realize how tight that calf was until i go try and do down dog or a lunge or something you know and so um just the body awareness is is important too now there are you, are you is there a dog in the background that sounds like a dog toy <laughs> Yeah, Kilo's got his doggy llama. Oh, I, I, I know how it is. My dog. <laughs> it's, that's me. it's my speaking toy that I, that I use when I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I will say that for yoga too, Nicole, you don't need to go to a yoga studio. There's so many great resources. Oh, no. There's a guy yeah. on. I think a lot of people discovered that like during COVID, you know, mm -hmm. that even their local gyms and stuff like that have been, or yoga places have been like posting videos and things like that because gosh, you think, you know, I would know like, Hey, here's a website to go to yeah. for yoga. And I just never found a favorite one, you know, back in the DVD days, I had my favorite DVDs, but, um, just my local yoga place, so much yoga, they post videos. And so, you know, I'll do like 20, 30 minute yoga mm. sessions at home. I, yeah. I personally can't hang in for a whole hour on my home by myself. So that's why I like, you know, classes have opened back up and stuff like that. But yeah, there are so many opportunities now, I think, because of COVID, that stuff is is online now that you can just follow at home when you're in your ratty sweatpants and whatever. Yeah, right. Because it's a little intimidating when you go into the yoga studio for the first time because um, serious yoga people, you're like, good Lord. And then you are uh, trying to struggle yeah, into a yes. warrior. And, and, and I, so many people are intimidated by that. Even when I was like a fitness director at a gym and people were coming in, uh, new to work out the first time they thought like everyone there's a pro. I mean, that's not the way in yoga right. either. Like I think every single yoga class I go to, there's at least one to four new people in there. So like it is intimidating, but at the same time, I mean, there might be three or four pro yoga people in that class, but everyone, almost everyone else is Joe and Jill Schmo, you know, they're just starting out like you or, Maybe they've been doing it five years and they still can't touch their toes. You know, it's, it's, it may be intimidating, but I think it's more of the buildup in your brain than it actually is reality. I think you're right. There's, there's, but there's always the two people in the class that when you're doing a forward fold, <laughs> they turn it into a, a headstand and you're like, oh, come on. I, I know. <laughs> I, I know. I'm, I'm not that person, but yes, I, I might have a little headstand envy. <laughs> Now, now, talking about body you work. Balance on my head, on right. my head, not on my hand. <laughs> now, talking about body work, Nicole. <laughs> I, when you were talking about body work, I, it made me think of because I've got one within sight here: uh, the muscle guns. And as a massage therapist, I wonder if your reaction to muscle guns was what my professional reaction was because I'm a I'm a I'm a radio DJ by by trade, and so. 
when when like Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff came out, I was like, oh shit. Oh God, what does anybody need me for? And after a while, I'm like, well, yeah, they need me because I'm funny. Uh, <laughs> Apple Music can't can't add me to that. Did you have a similar reaction you. when the when the body uh, uh, when the massage guns came out? You're like, fuck. Oh man. No, no, okay. no, no, no. I was like, finally, some people can do some self care at home because, like. I do a lot of clinical work yeah. on people, but like, I can't wave the magic wand. You come in here once a month and I make it all better. And you go back out there, you know, like it, I don't know. I, I, I feel like my profession is safe until I die. You know, people just like work hard enough, do enough repetitive work that even with the, hypervolt or the massage rolly things or foam rollers or whatever. Um, there's still a lot for me to work on. <laughs> like, yeah. So it, to me, to me, it's just nice that they could have a fun thing to like, Ooh, I'll, while I'm watching TV, I'll finally, you know, I hate foam rolling, but I'll use the hypervolt on my IT band or something. Do you find that those actually do something or are we paying $200 for some snake oil? Uh, <laughs> actually uh from my own personal experience the hypervolts are a lot more powerful than just like say the 40 dollar little walgreens massage gun so okay. yes i feel like it's uh helpful but you know like stretching alone can't necessarily release someone's it bin or you know maybe someone's got plantar fasciitis but it turns out you know their hamstring and their butt muscles are super locked down in concrete but maybe they didn't figure that out on their own or you know they're beating up their foot with the hypervolt but what they need to do is get into their calf you know so it's like i think it's a good tool but it's not uh like you still need body work in my opinion right. but I'm obviously biased. Oh, of course. <laughs> and I found too, and, and Nicole, maybe you can back this up or say I'm full of shit. It's always something else. Like when you hurt your IT band, it's because you have a tight, for me, it's tight glutes. If my glutes get tight, uh -huh. oh my, it pulls uh -huh. on my IT uh -huh. band. If it's my knees are hurting, it's because my quads are tight. Like it's always something else that's, that's causing that yeah. pain. Yep. 90% of the time. Yes. All right, last question. You're not full of shit. Okay, good, good. Back that up. Let's record, everybody. I'm not full of shit. Um, <laughs> About that, anyway. I don't know. Okay, anyway. most other things other I am full of shit, Nicole. Uh, last question about massage. As a massage therapist, how many Enya CDs do you own? <laughs> Can't stand her. Sorry. <laughs> But yes, I do have a lot of really chill massage music. I had my music going in here the other day, waiting for a client and Gary's in the front living room, like working from home that day. Cause they're like redoing the parking lot at work. Yeah. And he's like, is, are you on hold somewhere? Like the music <laughs> he thought it was like elevator music. I was on hold of my phone. I'm like, wow, is it that bad? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I, you know, some of my clients, like I, I, I'll just play whatever music, but you know, you definitely don't want, you know, corrosion to conformity, you know, while I'm doing massage stuff. So yeah, you, keeping you, that yes, in mind. right. You don't want, you know, ACDC while you're getting a massage. That's fun for when you're running, but you need some enigma, right? yeah. some solid enigma and yeah. John Tesh when you're getting a massage. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, it's it. It's kind of a cliche, but yes. <laughs> Is there a website where only massage therapists can go to find CDs? Like, because you know we can't get these to the general public. Um, you know what? They there are some that you pay for that. I'm like, why? Why would I pay for that? I can get it for free here. But yes, there's, gosh, so so many kinds, and it's funny because like. For me to find just the right music, I can't have the kind that puts me to sleep as well. So <laughs> I, I get a little picky. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're giving some massage, you, you fall over. Like, what happened? Oh, music put me asleep. Like, uh, yeah, a little too meditative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nicole, what is next? Now that you've done, you've conquered 250, you've done the World OCR Championships in Australia. What are you looking forward to? you know it's so funny after doing 250 and you know you think of doing more longer distance i'm like nope 250 done never but i just always love saying never because it pretty much means you're gonna you know go out and do something longer or harder or whatever but um i don't know we'll see like to me um do it was feasible doing it but the recovery kind of kicked my ass i'm not gonna lie like it was um, I'm still, uh, recovering from that. And that was like a month ago and just having such a physical job. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard knowing that if I go out and do that again or do something longer, like I am going to have to account for the recovery time. Um, but with that in mind, uh, we're going to Scotland, I hope in uh, end of July, beginning of August, we have an eight day stage race in the highlands of Scotland. And I say race, like, you know, we're going to race it, but right. it's basically like touring on feet. Um, it averages about a 50 K a day. So wow. that's kind of our next big thing. Um, and then uh, we have some hundred milers and stuff like that. The rest of this year, Gary wants to do a hundred in each state. Um, but nothing we're taking super seriously or a race or anything. Um, probably our next big thing after Scotland is that 24 hour survival race in uh, Nicaragua in March next year. That sounds really um, cool. Really cool. You know what? They were. Uh, so you have to be invited by someone that's done it before. And one of our close friends, Jeff has done it before and he invited us. And so he was talking to us about it, like literally the week after I finished the two fifty, and I'm just like, I, I, I can't fathom this right now. Like, can you stop talking about it? <laughs> right, right. Enough. <laughs> and then Gary's like, oh, there's a double. Like, if we do the 24-hour adventure survival race on Wednesday, then we can do the 100K that Saturday where you climb two volcanoes four times. And I'm like, that sounds like an awesome idea. <laughs> 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 not really but now now you know now it's sounding more you know i don't know just if you've done 100 and you've done 100 you've done 100 you it's not stepping outside your comfort zone anymore you know and so that's kind of why i wanted to do the 200 and then 250 because like you know you can do 100 you know you can do 135 and so like to me you either go faster or longer you know and Faster just makes me want to throw up usually. So yeah. longer, you know, I can just hang, hang in for longer. And, but the thing about the 24 hour survival race is just all the challenges of, um, they really try and incorporate all the things that the natives locals have to do, um, swimming and carrying bundles of wood and climbing trees with no branches and, uh, 
not a lot of people finish it. And, um, and then to follow that up three days later with, uh, with a hundred K where you're traversing volcanoes, that's after Scotland, that's probably going to be our next, next big challenge. And we're going to do it as a team. There's never been a co-ed team to finish it. And, uh, so we'll see what we can do. How long have you and Gary been together as, as partners? Um, Almost, almost four years. Okay. Do, have you seen Gary at his lowest? And has he seen? Well, he's seen you at your lowest because he saw oh you. Oh my god! Yes. Okay. Oh, for sure. Like, you know. So this is an integral part of like the stepping stone goes to show like how close we are. So he was trying for the one thirty five at Outlaw mm-hmm. um, in February this year, and just I mean, it was just crazy snowstorm and icy. Um, and at one point, we are in this bunk area. He's got his pants dropped and he's like baby you have to look at this spot on my undercarriage so he's basically lifting up his balls and i am looking at this spot between his taint you know to see what this shaping spot is about and you know i'm like this this is where we're at in our relationship okay We called that area the so, basket. And, and you know, here at Infinitus, like he bought me tampons for the first time. You know, like, oh my God, we've been together almost four years. And wow. you know, like it has to be this kind and this kind and this kind. And so it just oh yeah, we've we've for sure seen each other. I mean, yeah. you're just so raw and vulnerable when you're out there. You're going to be fine. You know, because I, I was you're all, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was worried. Like Nicole, I don't. Do you know this guy enough to to be in Nicaragua doing a, a race with him? Because that could end a relationship. But if he's oh, if he's oh, yeah. if he's lifted his balls so you could check out a chafing spot, and you just signed For Valentine's Day, like it was Valentine's right, Day, right? Right. Like it's not like it's not like he was trying to seduce you. He seriously wanted you to check the chafing under his balls. And you were to, and, and apply whatever I was applying to, like to it as well. Right, so. you're, you're 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 touching down there, but not in a sexual manner. That that yeah, you guys can survive anything. That that's your sign. That's your sign. Wow, that's love right there. And I've always thought it's funny, Nicole. I always think it's hilarious that that men get embarrassed buying tampons. It doesn't sound like Gary is that embarrassed. Like, like my daughters will send me a, a picture. Like, this is what I need, and I'll, I'll I'll have my phone out and I'm scanning in the aisle to make sure that I match up what they have. But there's so many guys that are embarrassed by that, and I think honestly, yeah. like, like do do you think the cashier is going? This guy, this guy's, is this guy buying tampons for himself? He has a tampon fetish. I'm right. sure of it. No, I think when you when you buy when you're a man and you're buying tampons, what you're announcing to the world is. I've secured a mate, we have procreated, and I'm taking care of said mate or yes. child. That's uh, that's what yes. I'm doing. It's the rite of passage, just like carrying your wife's purse. Exactly. <laughs> no one thinks that's your purse. No guy, you know, <laughs> like no one's walking by and thinking that that coach purse that you're holding as you are sighing and looking at the ceiling is yours they know that's your maybe, wife's purse yeah, i mean maybe i don't know <laughs> well maybe it is but you you know the ones i'm talking about like you're like the dooney and burke oh, or the lewis vitton or or who else i don't know who else makes them um the fancy purse people um yeah no no you're no, the wrong person yeah no one's assuming <laughs> it sounds to me like you have a kavu bag in your life and that's about it 
I, I don't know what that is. That's a, that's a backpack. It's just it's a it's a practical backpack. It has climbing. Oh oh oh! I've got all my orange mud and my osprey stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. That's that's all you need. You know, when Nicole's going shopping, she's got her orange mud uh, hydro quiver, and she puts her money in that and carries that around. That's what I'm talking about. So if you you see Gary carrying a hydro quiver at the mall, you know that he and Nicole are out shopping. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Good stuff. Nicole Fleming, this has been a fun chat. It's nice to get to know you. Well, thanks. I feel honored to be able to chat with you. Like I said, you have just... You've helped me through so many miles, so it's fun to be here and uh, be able to share some of my story. Well, let's check back in after that Nicaragua thing and make sure that you and Gary are still going strong and see how that whole thing goes, okay? Uh, yeah, hey, I hope we're both still alive. That's, that's <laughs> goal number one. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Adventure Jogger. Go online, adventurejogger.com. There's gear. There's back episodes. All you need right there. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 